Today is September 19th, 2021. 41 years ago today, I made a transition from my first career. My first career was in law enforcement. I left that occupation and uh, commenced what I am doing today. I've been doing a little bit of review, uh, thinking back uh, during those 41 years. And during this period of review, I happened upon a Sunday morning. It was March the 19th, 2006, 15 years ago. That Sunday morning, I presented a message entitled Mature Thinking. I'm going to represent that to you this morning. That message in 2006 also referenced a message that was given 22 years before that. And that original message then went back to February the 23rd, 1984. That's only four years after I had left the Ontario Police College where I was an instructor. And so this morning, I want to take you to the, again, March the 19th, 2006. And during that passage of time, Thoughts contained in this message have not changed. The truths here have not changed. Trusting that the Lord will apply these truths to us in a fresh and new way, even after the passage of time. So here again, from 2006, the message is mature thinking. Now this is Sunday afternoon on uh, March the 19th, 2006. The first part of the message this morning was not recorded, failed to record, and so I'll give you the uh, introduction now. The subject of the morning was based on a message that uh, I gave 22 years ago on the uh, 23rd day of February, 1984. It was within a series on spiritual gifts, and this was uh, part part 7 of that series. The text that was selected at the time was in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, basically encouraging the believers to be mature in their thinking, to be babies as far as evil is concerned, but in their thinking to be men or to be mature. So this was the uh, very first uh, scripture that we used on Sunday morning, and that became our text. The next passage was Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, speaking about in the original creation how that God created mankind in his own image and in his own likeness. And so that there is a similarity in a sense between man, God's creation, and God. And that similarity we went on to discover in succeeding passages was a similarity that we are created with a heart and mind. So the next passage was 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and verse 35. You might like to look this up in your own Bible now while I'm giving you that passage. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and verse 35. This is a description of God, and that God has both heart and mind. Heart and mind. Next passage was 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9. 1 Chronicles 28 and 9. This is a description of man and Solomon, and the description is that uh, he possessed both heart and mind. The Hebrew word for mind, both at re- as it relates to God and also to 
man is the same Hebrew word, nephesh. The Hebrew word that uh, is translated heart, as it refers to God, is labob. And the very same, uh, a derivation of the very same word is used in First Chronicles 28 and 9, referring to men. And so we see in these passages the reality and the similarity that we resemble God in the sense that he has created us as he is, has both heart and mind, also we have both heart and mind. Then the next passage was Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 which discusses the thoughts of the Lord toward us, that he has thoughts and actually his thoughts involve a plan with regard to us. The context originally was with uh, respect to the nation of Israel, but also the principle is true of us. The next passage we looked at on Sunday morning was Psalm 94 and verse 11. This is discussing the fact that the Lord knows man's thoughts. So as you read this at home, Psalm 94 and 11, that will bring you to the beginning of the recorded portion of our service this morning, and the recorded portion deals with Luke chapter 11 and verse 17. So I'll give you this as a introduction to fill in the part that's missing from the tape. Luke chapter 11 and verse 17 says, but he, speaking about the Lord Jesus, but he knowing their thoughts said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. So the idea is that God knows our thoughts as presented to us in Psalm 94 and we see in the Lord Jesus Christ who is God in human form who has come to show us who God is and what God is like. And we see the attributes of God manifested in the life and ministry of Jesus. So in the same sense that God knows the thoughts also Jesus knew the thoughts of those who were around him. Before they would speak what they had on their mind, he would know the thoughts that preceded it. Then in Psalm 139, these are, this is a wonderful passage of scripture. This is actually a prayer. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Again, this is a translation from the New Century Version, and we find these words, God examine me. Can we pray this prayer? Is this prayer in our heart? God, examine me and know my heart and test me and know my nervous thoughts or anxious thoughts. See if there is any bad thing in me. Lead me on the road to everlasting life. Let's do this again. Verse 23. God, examine me and know my heart. Test me and know my nervous or anxious thoughts. See, again, you find the heart and thoughts. And the two words are used in such close company that these two words are very difficult to separate one from the other. The heart talks about the deepest and the most fundamental capacity within the human being for thought, for decision, for awareness, is the heart. The desire that some might have to separate the spirit from the mind, it's impossible to separate the spirit from the mind. You might do it technically, but you cannot do it in reality. 
because the two are such close. Uh, they have this marvelous affinity, the one with the other. In other words, it's impossible for what occurs within the deep heart or spirit not to affect the mind. And it's impossible for what affects the mind and influences the mind not to affect the deep heart or the spirit. They are so wonderfully related one to the other. And then I come this morning with you to uh, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, we'll read verses 6 through 9. First of all, verse 6 from the King James translation. And this again is just the most wonderful passages of Scripture. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him forsake his thoughts. In other words, let him stop thinking the way he's thinking. Let him change the way he is thinking. In other words, he's not going to accomplish anything while he continues to think the way he is thinking. Let the unrighteous man, his thoughts. The reason he's unrighteous is because his thoughts are unrighteous. And as, and as long as his thoughts continue to be muddied by the filth of this present darkness, then he's going to continue in that state of unrighteousness. And so, therefore, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will, that is, the Lord will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8. Now here we find this wonderful relationship again for the Lord speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. The Lord says, I don't think the same as you do. See, I think, and you think because I've created you in my image, but my thoughts are not like your thoughts. The idea of Christ-likeness and to be a Christian at, the most, uh, at its basis, at, at its essence, is to more and more and more grow and mature into a place where one's thoughts more and more resemble the thoughts of Christ. The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. All right, the next passage in verse 9 is, says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Isn't that a wonderful passage of scripture? Anyone who is in a place in, a, in their life and that all of us find these places in our life journey from time to time where we are aware of the absence of peace. There may be for any number of reasons a sense of restlessness and uh, turmoil that we experience. And what a most wonderful promise from God's own word. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Marvelous. Then Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. Proverbs 16 and verse 9. It says, A man's heart. Um, some of you, many of your translations, the Amplified Bible, for example, will say mind. 
And that's why I again continue to say the word heart, mind are so closely related that even oftentimes the translators select heart or another time select mind from the same word. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And the Amplified will say a man's mind devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. But the idea of this is that the direction in terms of our own way, our own planning of our way, our journey, what we will do, the directions that we will take, that doesn't just happen at a cerebral level. It's not just a brain activity. It is, it is deeper than that, more towards the core of what distinguishes us as a human being. It's that heart-mind relationship again. No wonder the, script, the scripture says, Brethren, be like children as far as evil is concerned, but in your thinking I want you to be mature. Mature. Now let's look to, at a passage uh, that's found in the New Testament, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse number 35. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 35. This is a marvelous passage that describes how Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and Remember, this was the time when the wind came, a great storm. Disciples were afraid the boat would sink, awaken Jesus, and so on. He spoke to the wind and waved, and they obeyed him. The disciples marveled, said, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? And then they went over to the other side, and they found a man who was demon-possessed and had been that way for many, many years. He could not be restrained. And the demons would take power of him and drive him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness and Jesus came into that vicinity and you remember how that Jesus said what is he came and he recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ as being the son of God. Said Jesus was already commanding the evil spirits to come out of him. What is your name? Our name is Legion for he was possessed of so many of these demons. Of course, our Lord Jesus set that man free, completely free from this kind of possession. And when the man was set free, we come to this passage in Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. And they went out to see what was done. All the people in the surrounding there. See, they were afraid of this man. Everyone knew this man. They were fearful of this man. And then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils or demons were departed, sitting, I love this, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now that's, it says, and they were afraid, which means that they were filled with awe. They were just filled with awe. It's the kind of fear that requires human beings to worship. They were just filled with awe. I love it. But look at the, look at the wonderful thing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now that's a perfect description for mental... Uh, peace, repose, tranquility, order, health is sit at the feet of Jesus. Get clothed so that everything that should be covered is covered and everything that should be exposed is exposed rather than the other way around. And then in his right mind. The importance of being in his right mind. And that's Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. 
Now in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 29. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus speaking to them uh, and said, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. In other words, um, do not allow yourself to be filled with anxiety about the temporal things of life. What are we going to eat? What will we have to drink? <laughs> Where's our next meal going to come from? Where are we going to get the money to pay this particular thing? Where are we going to, how are we going to resolve this dispute? How is this going to be taken care of? See, in all of these kinds of thoughts, the scripture nowhere teaches us to be irresponsible. The scriptures teach responsibility, but the scriptures are very clear that we never ever should yield ourselves to the power of anxiety. Anxiety is a negative force. It can lead to all kinds of... It's a pressure that always directs a person in a direction that they should never go. So seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be you of a doubtful mind. This is the idea, doubtful mind. Now in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2, again we find the influence of Scripture talking about the mind. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is somebody changed? How is a person transformed? How is anybody in this uh, world, ever, whoever experiences profound, substantial change, how does that change come about? It always comes about by a renewing of the mind. A renewing of the mind. It's a, again, the mind, the heart, are so closely related you cannot separate one from the other. So the heart is re, the mind is renewed. It doesn't mean that the mind is renewed without the heart being renewed. When the heart is renewed, the mind will be renewed. They're too closely aff affiliated and connected for us to divide and separate them. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove... That means to prove by experience or know by experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we come to know the will of God. Know, that means to know it, to be intimately acquainted with God's will, not wondering what His will might be in something, but to know, to have the assurance of what His will is. Well, how can anyone have that, we might say? Well, we have that because it's a consequence of the mind being renewed. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind and a manifestation of that transforming of that uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind is to know what the will of God is. Now I ask you to direct I direct your attention to Philippians chapter 4 verse number 8 this is one of those first verses I remember in some of our very earliest moments of scriptural discovery and search this is one of the passages perhaps one of the very first ones that some of us committed to memory. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, oh, I love this passage, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
In other words, what should the mind be preoccupied and occupied with? We should think on these things, the things that are true, the things that are honest, the things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, the things that are of good report or good news. Not not thinking about uh, negative commentary that somebody said about somebody did this and do you know what happened with so-and-so? In other words, gossip, negative gossip? No, no. Never, ever. Wonderful passage of scripture. And now Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. This is another one of these wonderful passages of scripture. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. This is a very interesting kind of a metaphor that you're about to see here. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your, the, the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> I had a great deal of fun early uh, on trying to visualize somebody girding up the loins of their mind. You, you remember the garments, the kind of garments that were worn in Bible times? Now, uh, it kind of looked like a long dress. <laughs> and uh, men wore them as, as well. Now, if they were going on a journey or needed to travel in a quickly, then what they would do is they would hike up the sides of the, of the long robes that they wore. And they would hike them up or bring them up, or they call the term in the old English was gird them up. Now, it wasn't to pick them up around their head, but just to bring them up so they wouldn't be tripping on them as they ran or as they moved quickly. So girding, gird up your garments was always uh, kind of a metaphor for get ready to travel, get ready to move, uh, prepare yourself to go, and you prepare yourself so that you will not trip and stumble on your journey. And so the mind picture here that's given where it says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, gird up the loins of your mind, means to gird your, lo- your, your minds for action. Get your minds ready for action. Get ready to move. Get ready to follow the Lord's plan and purpose for your life. But get it ready to go in the direction that you need to go. All of these passages, passages dealing, of course, with the role and with the importance of the thoughts and of the mind. Now I have a few thoughts that I want to share with you. This uh, talks about the role of thought. I'm going to be coming to a close. And I want to give you maybe about five different points uh, before we close and as we close. And this deals with uh, the role of thought. The first thing is that thoughts thoughts are like uh, door-to-door salesmen. Thoughts are like door-to-door salesmen. Salesman comes and knocks on your door. And I'm not trying to bash salesmen. I, I do not have a great fondness for anyone coming to my door wanting to sell me something. But that's, you, may, you may appreciate that. And I'm not trying to bash them. I'm just saying that thoughts could be compared to this door-to-door salesman. 
they must be allowed in or turned away. And that's what you do. That's the decision that you're going to make. Now you make that decision more and more on the telephone. The telephone rings. It says, unknown caller. If you're like me, you might just leave it. <laughs> if you're like my wife, you cannot leave it. <laughs> You've got to pick it up. <laughs> and so you'll pick it up, and oh, it might be David calling. Well, every time David ever has called, his number comes up, Dave's cell. Because <laughs> he has a cell phone. And it comes up, David's cell. And, uh, oh, it might be, it might be, you know, it might be this. And that's fine. That's good. We're, it's a good thing we're not all alike in that, or our phone would never get answered. <laughs> but, but the idea I want, to, I want to present is that now more and more and more today, it's the telephone is, are you going to listen to this pitch on the phone or are you not? The door-to-door salesman, are you going to allow in or turn away? A thoughts are like that. We have a God given ability to choose our thoughts. Anyone who's not in that place where they are able to choose their thoughts is someone who is seriously ill. But a healthy person has a God-given ability to choose the thoughts. and We're responsible for the choices we make. The third point is that our emotions are naturally connected to our thoughts and are triggered by thoughts. It's always that way. For example, the emotion of joy follows a thought that elicits, triggers, sponsors the joy. Depression, on the other hand, deep depression, despondency, is it follows thoughts that elicit and promote depression. I could say this morning that peace, uh, as an emotion, as a feeling of peace, peace <coughs> follows thought. Anxiety, on the, on the other hand, also follows thoughts. Contentment follows a certain kind of positive and nourishing and pleasant process of thought. Contentment. Oh, I think about these things, and it, I'm just. Be, I, I, I really am contented. I feel very contented and thankful it's a consequence of the way in which I've been thinking on the other hand doubtful a person who's doubtful that also is an emotion that follows a sequence of thinking and thoughts remember the thoughts are like door to door salesmen they come and knock on the door of your mind even heart remember the close association between the two and they say can I come in and entertain you for a while Can I have your attention? I want your attention. And sometimes we give our attention, we give permission for those kinds of thoughts to come in that we should be turning away and we should be saying, no, 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 I do not have time for you. No, no, no. Now there's the interesting thing of anger. Anger is an emotion. There can be a godly anger, and uh, let's not get to the place where we want to just take our pure old carnal anger and let's say, you know, call it godly anger, but there is a kind of anger that can be godly. There is another kind of anger that can be very negative and carnal and natural, and these both follow a different process of thoughts and thinking. (coughs) Sorrow is like that. There's a godly sorrow. There's also a sorrow that is uh, very unhealthy and leads to... uh, 
illness and disease of body or mind. A protracted, prolonged, unrelenting kind of sorrow. But it follows the way in which the mind is oriented and the way in which the thought processes continue to follow each other in sequence. Whether one is positive or whether one is negative, it's the consequence and the result of the way in which we think. And we are responsible for those thoughts. I don't think this is preached and taught and and presented enough. It needs to be presented more than it is. That's why I say 22 years ago, a lot of things have changed in the last 22 years. Sherry, in 1984, you were 17 years old going to Cass, right? Janet, were you still in high school? I was like 16 now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're that much younger. <laughs> you were going to Cass. Yeah. See, 22 years ago. We had only been back here for about four years. Many of you were not even born 22 years ago. Many things have changed within the last 22 years, but these are some of the things. The point is that they do not change. They have not changed for thousands of years and will never change, the things that we're talking about this morning. Point number four, and I'll leave you with this one this morning also. Point number four is thoughts are, this is very important, I may suggest to you, this is a very important point, principle. Thoughts are confirmed or assimilated within us as we act, or speak in agreement with them. You say, well, how does a thought, I mean a thought, what big, what's the big deal of a thought? How does a thought become entrenched or ingrained? Or, or how does it become established in somebody so that that person is actually becomes that? See, we become what we think. But not always. It's when we act and let me say, by the way, act is that we act consistently and continue to act, not just perhaps one action or one word, but when we act or speak in agreement with them, the thoughts are confirmed within us. They're assimilated by us as we act or as we speak in agreement with them. And that, again, is, the, is, a, is very important what we say very important the way the kind of things that we talk about very very important the things that we speak out it's very important that the actions that we take in relationship to the kinds of thoughts that we have because we are confirming those thoughts in us they're becoming part of us as we act in agreement with them or speak in agreement with them our spirit can be entered and influenced by them by this repeated confirmation. This is how it gets right into the spirit. It gets right into the heart part of a person. By repetition. Repeated actions. Repeated words. Repeated actions. Repeated words. That all come from evil thoughts. Unhealthy thoughts. Thoughts that should have been rejected at the door many, many years ago. Thoughts that should have been turned away and rejected. Thoughts that should have been disowned. Thoughts that should have been confessed and repented of but were not, but were acted on instead. Or words were spoken in agreement with them. They enter into the spirit. And they become assimilated and established within the very heart of the person. Wrong thoughts which are confirmed within us will hinder, corrupt, 
and weaken us spiritually until they are banished by repentance and faith and the biblical solution for this kind of condition that is woeful is repentance and faith. And then we find this passage in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that wonderful? You mean that's possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It just it means let this kind of thinking occur in you and in me and in us. The kind. Not to the degree or to the extent, but in similitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Now, I leave you with this thought. A house divided against itself cannot stand. We have been created by God to be spirit, soul, and body. The scripture, of course, is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, that we are been created as spirit, soul, body. Two of this, the spirit and soul is eternal. The body is temporal. Spirit and soul are eternal. House divided against itself cannot stand. Spiritual health and growth and negative or erroneous thoughts cannot long coexist. Let me say that again. This is just the, I'm, I'm closing. Spiritual health. You say to someone, "Would you love to? Would you like to be in a position where you're really spiritually, you're really healthy, you're so, you're strong spiritually, you're you are experiencing spiritual vitality and health and wellness." Oh yes, I want that. But spiritual health and growth and negative or erroneous thoughts cannot long coexist. They cannot coexist very long. Either the thoughts are forsaken, that is, these erroneous or unhelpful thoughts are forsaken, or the spirit will crumble. The spirit will crumble. The person will begin to go backwards spiritually. They will begin to backslide spiritually. Begin to think in ways they used to think before they were saved, for example. Before they became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to be careless in their speech. Careless in thinking. Either the thoughts are forsaken or the spirit will crumble. And listen to this. When the spirit crumbles, it becomes a game room for satanic impulses. And that's exactly what happens. And I can tell you this morning with full confidence on the word of God and also human experience testifies that this is true. That many of the completely unnatural, bizarre things that are occurring within our larger culture today, the things that motivate people to do the things that they do, why does that happen? Why, why do people do those? And I'm not going to go into all these details on these things. You, you, you can extrapolate that yourself. It happens because the spirit 
has crumbled. And the spirit and mind has become a game room for satanic impulses. And people are experiencing strong drawing and motivation to do things that are unspeakable. But they are drawn from within to do it. Some hear voices to do it. Some do it because they want to do it. Some do it because they have lost the capacity for empathy for another person. They don't care what somebody else feels or thinks, or if it hurts somebody else, it doesn't care. doesn't even affect them because their spirit, mind, has become a game room for satanic impulses. And that doesn't happen overnight. That happens over a period of time. Our thoughts are confirmed within us or assimilated within us as we act or speak in agreement with them. Would you put the very first passage back up, Pat, our text that we began with, and I'm going to read this as we close. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. Here it is from the New Century Translation. Brothers and sisters, do not think like children. In evil things, be like babies. But in your thinking, you should be like adults. May the Lord bless his people everywhere assembled on this his own day. And may he bless you in your deep heart and mind. And may he bless your loved ones, your family. And may he draw you close to himself and embrace you with his word and spirit. May he transform you and may you agree with everything that he's doing in your life. May you reach out your hands to him and embrace everything that he gives you. In Jesus' name, amen. The music presented during this presentation this morning at the beginning is Open Our Eyes by Maranatha Praise Band. It's from their album Top 50 Praise Classics. And at the conclusion this morning, Where He Leads Me by Twyla Paris, and it's from her album My Utmost for His Highest.
I would fall.